People by our nature are passionate. We're passionate about certain things. We in our nature, somehow uh, in our makeup, uh, we have the ability or the inclination to be passionate about certain things. I was thinking about that this week. Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's an interesting thing, really, that has to be uh, one of the genius things about God's creation of mankind. We, we have this ability, this inclination that wells up inside of us to be passionate about certain things. Now, think about that. People are passionate about certain cars. There's folks that, that talk about Fords, and there's folks that talk about Chevys. Uh, there are people that you know that are passionate about their pets and they put pictures of their pets and they're talking about their pets and they're passionate or their pets. Um, there are people that are passionate about certain foods. Uh, an inch and a half ribeye cooked medium, medium rare uh, on mesquite. Not that that's me, but there's people uh, that are passionate about certain foods. Or there's people that are passionate about the Texas Rangers on certain years. Uh, people that are passionate about the Dallas Cowboys. I know folks that are so passionate about the Cowboys that if they lose on Sunday, which is a lot this, this time of the, this year, um, those folks are messed up all the way till sometime on Tuesday. They're, they're foul and they're upset. They're all the way till Tuesday uh, getting over that. There are even some people that are passionate about the Texas Longhorns. Um, weird people, but they are passionate about... Uh, the Texas Longhorns. You could go on and on and on. What a, what a weird thing that is. What a strange thing while you're passionate about something and you're passionate about something, our careers or our kids or what have you. Well, all of that, to come to this question, here's the question. Are you passionate about your church? Are you passionate about your church? Does that sound crazy? Does that, does that sound far-fetched? Are you glad about, are you excited about, more than that, are you passionate about your church? Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, it's okay to be. In fact, we should be. It's not that weird to be passionate about your church. And friends, I think we're going to see this today, maybe in our entire study of the, of the book of Acts, if we actually understood what the church is, if we understand what we have in the church as believers, I want to tell you, I believe we couldn't help but be passionate about our church. Today, we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. And really, it's, it's a study of the formation, the history of uh, the church. Our message today is entitled, A Passionate People. A Passionate People. Today, we're in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. A passionate people. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the word of God. Acts chapter 5, beginning in the 12th verse. And God's word says this, At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more, believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number. To such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any of them. 
Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for your grace and your kindness. We're thankful for your love. Lord, we're thankful for Jesus Christ, our hope, our Savior, our, our peace. And so we come today as your people assembled and we, we praise the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word today, I pray that we would understand your church and your plan for the church and your, your mission for the church. And I pray as believers here that we would be passionate about your church. Lord, I pray for some here that do not know you. I pray for some today as they, as they have come that do not have a relationship with you. I, I pray that in the preaching of the gospel that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we just come and I ask that, that right now as we have assembled, as, we, as, we've, as we've sung these songs, as we, as we sit here now, I pray this would be anything but normal. I pray it would be supernatural. And Lord, I pray that you would speak and I pray we'd be changed and we'd be convicted. And again, that some here that are lost would be saved. Lord, we love you. We ask that you move in our service. We give it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, remember, as we move through the book of Acts, we are actually watching the church as it unfolds. Now, that's an interesting thing. We are watching the church as it starts, and then as it unfolds, as it grows, as it develops. We are really reading and studying the actual history of the church as God has preserved it for us. Now, also remember, and, and this is for us, that today as we move through the book of Acts, as we, as we study the book of Acts, I truly believe it is no fluke. I believe it is no coincidence. I believe it is no accident, but rather I believe this. I believe God is training us. God is preparing us in the last days of the church by looking at the first days of the church. And listen to me, I believe these are the last days of the church. I believe very soon Jesus is to come again. I believe those outside of a relationship with Christ will be lost for eternity. They will perish. And I believe that as the church, this church, as we exist in the last days, God is preparing us in our study of the first days. Now listen to this. I believe just as those first days were vital, just as those first days were important, I believe these last days are just as important. I believe these last days are just as vital. And I read those days and I think, man, it's amazing that that fell into place. It's amazing that God took care of that. Man, it's astounding to see the wisdom of God as it unfolds in the church and how important Peter is going to be and how important Paul is going to be and how important the witness of Barnabas is going to be. And I'm astounded at how necessary the days were in the early church. Listen, these days are just as vital. These days are just as necessary. Let me say this. I'm glad to serve in these days of the church. I, I'm going to tell you something. I, if I could pick it, and I didn't get to, but if I could pick it, I am glad to serve in these days of the church. Let me tell you, 
Nothing could be better than to be proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ when the trumpet sounds and the clouds begin to roll back and Jesus comes to get his church. Great times to be a member, a piece of his church. Well, last week, if you remember, we read about Ananias and Sapphira, uh, hard verses, interesting verses. We saw that there is really the, the point of that. There is no room for hypocrisy in the church. Now, the church is made up of sinners, but listen, there's no room for hypocrisy in the church. Now, what that means is this is not a place to pose as something. This, this, this is not a place, not a time to self-promote. And we see in those verses, God is very serious about the truth. He is serious in word. He is serious in deed. And he is serious in the hearts of his people. He is serious about the truth. This is not a time to self-promote. This is not a time to distort the truth to, to improve myself or to, to, to gain a claim for myself. God is very serious about truth in his church, in the hearts of the people of his church. Well, that brings us to our verses today. All right, let's, let's go piece by piece looking at our verses today. Beginning in verse 12, it says this. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. Now again, this is the history of the church as it unfolds. This is the, the actual, this is the literal history of the church as it unfolds. Listen to verse 12 again. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. The verse starts off and it says, at the hand of the apostles. Now, I want you to see this is an important thing. At the hand of the apostles. Now, be very sure, an apostle, uh, these, these were those that were witness to the resurrected Christ and those that were called and commissioned by Christ. That is the definition of apostle. They, they were witness to the resurrected Christ, and they were commissioned by Christ. They were sent by Christ. Now understand, not everyone in the early church was an apostle, but, but those that God specifically chose. Today, it's been interesting as we've moved through the first five chapters already, the great theological truths that we've established concerning the church. Well, today as we build our understanding of the church, we need to get this. And I want you to listen very carefully. Man, in these last days, we sure need to get this. In the time that we're living in, we need to be sure and get this. Now, we've talked about this before, but be very clear today, with the death of the last apostle, the office of apostle closed. Now, I want you to be sure of that. With the death of, of the last apostle, listen, they had to be witness to the resurrected Christ. They were sent by Christ. And when the last apostle died, when he passed away, the office of apostle, by definition, 
has closed. Now, what that means is there are no apostles in the church today. And, and we need to be very sure of that. There are no apostles in the church today. These men, empowered by God, like the Old Testament prophets, spoke the word from God. And they were, we're going to see, enabled and called to do signs and wonders to confirm the word of God. That's what that was all about. It was never about the miracles by themselves. It was never about the signs by themselves, but they were confirming the word of God. And so understand, these apostles, they spoke the word of God. They spoke the word from God, and these signs and wonders confirmed the word of God. Well, I want you to be very sure. By definition, they no longer exist today. Now, let me help you out. If somebody calls themselves an apostle, or if they call their church apostolic, or if they call their ministry apostolic, they are in error and they are wrong. And route two logic, you need to run. You need to run. It's as simple as that. You need to run. Well, we come along today and we say, well, you know what? That sounds harmless. Isn't that just a different interpretation? And you know what? If they think that office still exists, why does that matter to us? Can't we disagree on the main things? Man, that sure sounds like a hard thing to say. Now, again, we've talked about this before, but I, I want to say this. Today, right now, in the, in the days that we are living in, there is a movement, and it's always been a movement, but now it is a growing movement that says the office of apostle has reopened. Now, there's always been some that have said that, but there is a growing movement that says the office of apostle has reopened. Now, very specifically, there is a movement called the New Apostolic Reformation. The New Apostolic Reformation teaches that the office of apostle has reopened as of 1996. With the reopening of the office of apostle, they are teaching that there are now people that again speak forth the word of God. Now, not the Bible, but they speak the words from God, new messages from God. Well, that sounds crazy. Let me tell you this. This is a growing thing. This is a wildly growing thing. This thing is, is infiltrating Christian thought. It's infiltrating Christian churches today. Let me tell you some of these guys. Dutch Sheets, Christ for the Nations, Dallas, Texas. Todd Bentley in Florida. Yes, I'm gonna give you the names. Mike Bickle, IHOP, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. He's serving up false teaching, not pancakes. <laughs> Bill Johnson, maybe the biggest one out of Bethel, Redding, California, Jesus Culture, Bethel Music, that's his band. That's his music from his church. Listen, these guys, go check them out. They claim to speak the new words of God. They have established themselves as apostles in our day. I want you to be very sure they are false teachers. They are deceivers. They are misleading many. And listen to me, they are of their father, the devil. Well, how do you know that? Well, I know that because the office has closed. And I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say it till Jesus comes. And I want you to hear me very clearly today, church. 
We have the word of God. And we're not looking for a new word and we're not looking for a fresh word and we're not looking for an update on the word. We're not looking for a more relevant word. We have the word of God, our Bible. And the office of apostle has closed. Man, that's hard. Turn on Christian radio, see what you hear. Jesus culture, Bethel. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds like our words. It comes from the church where a man is now speaking his words, attributing them to God. The office of apostle has closed. All right, the verse says, at the hand of the apostles, it says that it, it, it means at the hand of the apostles. If you look it up, it means that they were the causation. They, they caused these things to be. And so the signs and the wonders are taking place and the causation, it's coming from the apostles. It says many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. Signs translates miraculous signs. Now the, 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 the meaning of that is as a sign, it signified something. It was a signal of something. And so there are miraculous signs. It also says wonders. The definition for wonders, uh, it, it means a marvel or an unexplainable thing. And so I want you to be very sure today, and don't, don't write this off, the apostles were doing miraculous things. They were doing marvelous acts. They were casting out demons. They were healing many people. In this case, it says all the ones that came were healed. And those acts were confirming the message, the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. The message was confirmed by those acts of these apostles. And then it says this, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. Solomon's portico, Solomon's porch, we might translate it, was an area on the east side of the temple, inside the gate, an area on the east side of the temple. Now, we just read that, that Peter preached his second sermon from Solomon's portico. We also know that Jesus had preached at Solomon's portico, and it had evidently become the gathering place of the church. And so this Solomon's portico, it is the place where the believers are gathering. It is the gathering place of the church. I, I call it in my notes, the First Baptist Church of Solomon's Portico. <laughs> Literally the first one. That's a joke. <laughs> the believers are gathering at Solomon's Portico, his porch. And it says this, they were all with one accord, with one accord. Now, there are some translators that say it is just talking about location, that they were all together at Solomon's portico. And they're saying, that's what it's saying, that the believers were all together. They had gathered there at Solomon's portico. Now, let me just tell you, I don't, I don't think so. The word accord, notice it says, not in one accord, but with one accord. If you go look up the original meaning for accord, it has several, it has several interpretations. One of them is at the same time. And so some folks are saying they are all there at the same time. And that's what it's referring to. They are all there at the same time. 
Another, another understanding is with one mind. They are all of one accord, and we've seen that before. They were all of the same mind. The most literal translation is this. Having, listen to this, the same passion. They were all, as Solomon's portico, with the same passion. Let me, let me tell you what I think. I, I think that hearing the truth of Jesus and knowing the truth of the gospel. Now, that's a, that's a huge thing, knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, that we have a Savior for sin, that we're forgiven through him, knowing the truth of the gospel, and then on top of that, seeing these great confirmations of the truth, they are just drawn to be together because of their like passion. And, and I think that is a picture of the church we are drawn together in the church, not because we're all the same. We're not the same. Not because we all have the same interests. We for sure don't have the same interests. Not because we always get along. No, we are drawn together in the church because we have a passion for Jesus Christ and for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the mission of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a like passion draws us all together. We have a passion for Christ, and so we have a passion for his people. That's what that means. We have a, a passion for Christ, and so we have a passion for his church. And I, I sit there and think, it. well, who else are we going to hang out with? Who else are we going to spend time with? We have a passion for Christ, and it draws us together. These believers, no one had to send them an invitation. No one had to say, you know what, the bus is going to come by. No one had to come by and say, we missed you three weeks. We'd sure love to see you next week. Their passion for Jesus Christ got them up, and their feet went to Solomon's portico to be with like believers. It's the same passion in the church. A passion for Christ gives you a passion for his people. Verse 13. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. Verse 13 is a weird verse. Verse 13 is a strange verse. But it's the truth and we still see it today. These believers are all there. They're all flocking together. There's a, there's a buzz about Solomon's portico. There's an excitement. It's the, the place to be, and that's where the believers are at. So the believers are all there. The Bible tells us the non-believers, however, look at the language, do not dare to associate with them. Now, the verse says this. It says they respected them. They held them in high regard. It doesn't say they're, they're upset with them. They, they respected them. They held them in high regard, but they dared not associate with them. Now, I want you to see this. The very same truth, the very same thing that drew them together is the exact same thing that pushed others away. Do you see that? The same truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ that had people of multitude flocking to this place is the exact same thing that pushed others away. You see, they had a passion for Christ. But for these others, the 
passion was just too weird. They had a passion for Jesus Christ, but, but the passion was just too costly. You know what? They're gonna kill y'all. They don't like y'all there. The, the passion when they waited out for Jesus Christ was just too costly. Those folks had a passion for Jesus Christ, but it was just too uncomfortable for them. Maybe it was too inconvenient for them, or maybe more likely than all of that, their sin was more attractive to them. That old way of life was still appealing to them and more comfortable to them. And yes, we respect the church. Yes, we like the church. Go ahead and be the church but you know what? We dare not associate with you. Here's the thing to see from that. The church already was distinctive from the world. That's that's the thing to see. The church was already different from the world. The world said, yeah, we respect it. Yeah, we, we like your devotion over there, but the world just didn't want it. Let me tell you what I'm afraid. I'm afraid today our problem is the church has lost its distinctiveness from the world. And I I think the problem is today we try in the church to mimic the world. And we, we try to do the things that the world does and we try to mix in with the world. You know what? You value this in the world and so we'll, we'll try to let some of this come into the church and we've lost our distinctiveness in the church of Jesus Christ today. Listen, in verse 13, the world said, you know what? I see what you're doing over there. I want no part of it. And it said no. Listen, the church is to be distinctive, different from the rest of the world. Verse 14, and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Let me read that again. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Multitudes means a great number. Starting last week, if you remember as we, as we progressed, it would say, and there were 120, and 3,000 were added, and 5,000 were added. Starting last week, the numbers are now too great to count. And so understand, this, these are droves of people. These are multitudes of people. These are thousands now of people. It says both men and women. We can't count them all. We don't know who's showing up as Solomon's portico, but it is multitudes of multitudes of multitudes of people. It says we're constantly, and what that means is it was the norm, constantly. It means it was constant. It means it was consistent. Multitudes were added to their number. It was the normal thing. They possessed the the gospel of Jesus Christ and there is a multitude and the multitude is being added to and so they are growing and then a multitude is being added to and so they are growing and the multitude is being added to and so they are growing. Here's the truth and It's unpopular to say, maybe about the third unpopular thing I've said today. It's unpopular to say, but be sure of this. Man, when I was younger and I was with some other pastors and we were talking and I said this and it wasn't popular then, let let me just tell you, but I believe this is the truth. A right church with the right focus 
on the right mission, holding the right truth, a gospel-proclaiming church will be a growing church. Church that has the mission, a church that has the focus, a church that has the passion, a church that has the truth, listen to me, will be a growing church. And I'll just tell you very simply, this is what I figured out. If you are witnessing to the, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're at work telling people about Jesus Christ, if you're worried about your cousin that's lost without a relationship with Christ, if you are witnessing to the good news of Jesus Christ, and if we're doing it here and in big ways and in small ways, and when we take boxes out yesterday, if you are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, listen to me, people will be getting saved. No, not all of them. No, not the majority of them. But I want to tell you, if you take up the mission of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, people will be getting saved. That is the reality. Boy, that's hard on the church. It's hard on our church, isn't it? What if I told you I owned a chain of pizza huts, but we never sold any pizzas? What if I told you I had a shoe store in the mall? I got a shoe store. I can't wait. It's the Christmas season. But I never sold any shoes. What if I told you I had a football team and we've got all the stuff. We got a roster you won't believe. I got a football team, but we never win any games. What if you had a church and nobody ever got saved? I want to tell you that is the mission of the church. That is the purpose of the church. That is the reason that we as exist as the church of Jesus Christ. Let us not forget it. It's not for us. It's not that we grow in discipleship. Listen, we want to grow in discipleship, that we go lead more people to Jesus Christ. Listen, my knowledge of Christ is going to be perfected when I get to heaven. It's not that we would come and we would worship and it would be astounding in worship. Listen, worship is going to be tremendous when I get to heaven. What is on the line now is the eternities of lost people and the purpose of the church is to lead people to Jesus Christ. We should never be fine with people not getting saved. We should never be fine with people not getting saved. Verse 15. Verse 14. And all the more believers in the Lord and multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number, verse 15, to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. I'm going to stop there for a second. Marvelous things were happening in that church. Miraculous things are happening in the church at the hands of the apostle. That's what the verse says, confirming the gospel. Now, I want you to understand what was going on here. They are preaching that a guy that was dead, 
He is the Messiah and he's alive again. How can we be sure of that? Well, look at these signs and look at these wonders. They're coming along and they're preaching a gospel that's so radical. They would say, you know what? Is this of God? Surely it's a magician's trick. It can't be of God. And they would say, see these confirmations in the signs and wonders. They would say, you know what? I'm from an outside town. I've come into Jerusalem. I can't even believe what I'm hearing. Is this the truth? Are they speaking the truth of our God? And they would say, see these signs and wonders and it would confirm the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was confirmed in miracles. Verse 16. And the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits and they were all being healed. Verse 16 says this, that people around them heard about it. Not just in Jerusalem. I can't imagine how the buzz went out in Jerusalem, but also in in the cities around Jerusalem. People in that town, people in that city, they they heard, and it says that they came to see what was going on. They came to be healed. People heard about God's work. They heard about God's movement. And even from other cities, from other places, they came to see it was awesome, it was exciting. Here's a very very real question for us today. We're about to wrap it up. The office of apostle has closed. With the death of the last apostle, that office is closed. With that, the ability, listen to me very carefully, given to a person to do signs and wonders has ceased. Now listen very carefully. The person, the person with the ability to heal, the person with the ability to do signs and wonders, because the office of apostle no longer exists, that person no longer exists. That means there is not a healer in our church. Now, Jesus Christ is our healer, but there is not an individual, there's not a person that we would say, you know what, you don't need to go to the doctor because old Fred back there has the gift of healing, and if you go see him, he will heal you. That is the gift. That person does not exist. So here's the question. So does that mean our church is missing the visible demonstration of the power of God? And that, let me tell you something, that's a huge question. I think that's why those folks chase after those things. They want to see something exciting. They want to be able to say, oh, look what God has done. Does that mean that our church is missing the visible demonstration of the power of God? That is what some suppose. That is what some are saying. And I'm going to tell you, I'm afraid that's what we have now resolved in many of our churches. We say, well, God doesn't work like that anymore. We're not going to see powerful things like that anymore. We just have to take it by faith. We don't see things like that. And the church is powerless today. People come and they say, you know what? Your pastor doesn't believe in miracles. If I've heard that one time, I've heard it 10 times. Listen to me, friend. Don't you believe that? Not for a second. You see, listen to me, if Satan can have us seeking after miracles and that's all that we talk about and I wanna tell you, there's churches and that's all they think about, that's how they plan their services, that's all they worry about. If he could have us seeking after signs and wonders and that's the only thing we ever talk about, we will miss the real power. 
You ask me today, do we have the visible demonstration of the power of God in the church today? Listen to me very carefully, friend. The church is as powerful today as it was in any day. What do you mean? Hold on. Did you, did you read this? Did you understand this? I want you to hear me. The church is powerful today, as powerful in 2019 as it was in any day because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I want to tell you today, friends, I want to tell you, believers, if you want to see the power of God in the church, if you want to see miraculous, marvelous things in the church, you preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in that church. You proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you do, listen to me, people that you thought wouldn't get saved, they're going to get saved. And people you thought were too right and too foul, their lives are gonna change. Their very countenance is gonna change. Folks in their sin, me and my sin, our sins are gonna be forgiven. Old is gonna be made new. That's the truth of the gospel. Death is gonna pass over to life. And I want you to see how big this is. The shame that we carried is set down. The guilt that we bore is put on Jesus Christ. And I wanna tell you, the greatest miracle is not that you would get up and walk. The greatest miracle is that in the grace of God a forgiven sinner can walk with Jesus Christ that is the power of the gospel what a sad day that we would say that's not a powerful thing what a sad day to say some music show and a light show is more powerful than that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation when we proclaim it the miraculous will happen Ooh, that ought to burn us up. That ought to give us a passion when we proclaim the gospel. Listen, in 2020, church, you want to see the banner year for this church? It's not in the past. It can be ahead of us if we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here's the question. So are you passionate about seeing God's power in the church? I don't know, I go on Sundays. I don't know, when I'm down, I get a message of hope. Are you passionate about seeing the power of God in the church? Here's the answer. Spread the gospel. Preach the gospel. Lead people to Christ. Are you passionate about the church? Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. I'm thankful for your plan. Your plan that understood my failing. Your plan that understood my sin, that I'm stuck in my sin. I have no hope in my sin. My willpower is not enough. My desire to change is not enough. No work, not a pile of them that I can do is enough. But in your grace and your kindness, you send us a Savior. And we receive him by faith and by faith in the Savior, we are saved. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I'm thankful for my salvation. Lord, I'm thankful that you didn't write me off, cast me away. Thankful that you, you provided a way that I could be forgiven, redeemed, restored, renewed, reconciled. But Lord, as I pray as I've now received it, as we've received it as us here as believers, 
that we would be passionate about telling somebody else. We'd be as passionate as Peter and John. We'd be as passionate as Paul. We'd understand that without the gospel, they're going to perish. Lord, help us to be passionate about it. Help us to be serious about it and use us for your glory. Lord, I, I pray for somebody in this hour, in this service, that may not know you. I pray today that they would, they would put their faith, their trust in you. I pray that the hindrances would be removed. I pray that their heart would be stirred. And I pray that in the preaching, the hearing of this good news, that today might be the day of their salvation. For your glory, for your name's sake. Lord, I pray for this church. Bless it, use it, lead it, direct it. But more than all that, be known and glorified through it. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.